Welcome to Devalue with Mike and Caroline, the place where we talk about art and money and how creative people are navigating the ever-changing landscape of trying to make a living for their work. We're going to be interviewing all types of creative people, and we'll be talking about all types of issues that creative people face. We hope you'll get something out of it. We're excited to welcome you to Devalued. Hey, Mike. Hey, Caroline. Who are we talking with today? We are talking to the legendary David... Kilgower. Kilgower. (laughs) (laughs) There was some discussion about the pronunciation, but according to David, that is how his mother pronounces it, and that's how we will pronounce it also. We're honoring his mother's pronunciation (laughs) of his name. Yeah, he was lovely. I really like him. Yeah, he is one of my all-time favorites. Like, if I don't know what to listen to, I'll put on one of his albums, and it always just works. It's so beautiful and spacey, open-ended music. Like, there's really nothing like it that I have come across. There's an element of fun to him. Um, Yeah warmth and i think that comes across in his music too yeah for sure like the clean are very jovial and a lot of times on his um his solo work it's so like loosey-goosey and open that it's like this guy clearly has a sense of humor and he's very um he's almost like a a hippie i would say Mm. yeah i I don't know maybe a punk rock hippie yeah oh that's great kind of having that mindset of uh life will provide things will happen i will grow everything will be okay uh i really liked hearing that and it made me feel inspired to keep doing creative pursuits myself yeah it was a beautiful conversation and we hope you like it thanks for having me yeah thanks for being on yours absolutely you're the first guest who's early, so that's very exciting. <laughs> yeah, that's an early kind of guy. <laughs> you don't find that like much in musicians, really. That's true. I'm not really. No, I'm terrible. I like to be nice and early. I drive everybody crazy. <laughs> <laughs> How is it there anyway? As Nashville. It's amazing. What's the weather like? Perfect. Perfect. It's like 65. Yeah. It's really nice. Nice. Yeah. Nice. When's the, when were you here last? Gee, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, maybe five years ago. Five years ago, maybe. Oh, yeah. really? Were you playing? The clean. We oh. played the clean about. Well, yes. maybe even longer. Maybe six years ago. I mean, yeah, the last three years is a blur, but um, yeah, we oh. played at the Stone, Stone Fox. Fox. Yes, which is closed now. That is closed unfortunately, now, unfortunately. Yeah. All the. Me- I, w- I was playing a show that night, and it's one of the biggest regrets of my life not going, because I was like, oh, yeah, they'll be back. And I didn't realize you guys were from New Zealand at the time. <laughs> cool. That's yeah. nice. And, I, and then I, <laughs> yeah, I totally blew it. So we like to kind of start off asking, do you think music uh, and money have a natural relationship? Uh... No. <laughs> <laughs> like describe. But then I could, I could also say yes, you know. Right, right, right. Like, why do you think music and money don't go together? Uh, <laughs> why they don't go together? Uh, I guess because, you know, when I'm making it, I'm not thinking about money. 
I can only say from my perspective, really. Yeah. Right. It's not money. But yeah, I suppose. But so, I mean, you know, like art, art and money, I mean, it's an old argument, you know. What comes first? What's important? Are they related? All that stuff. Yeah. It's a good question. I mean, one of the things, one of like the, the few interviews that I saw on YouTube is like right around the time when Sugar Mouth was coming out in like 1993, I think. And you were saying that you're, you really just wanted to make it as a songwriter and you wanted to make a living. And, and I was wondering all these years later, like, did that happen? Did you get into a better place? Cause it seemed at the time, like, you know, you were looking for us label to put that record out. You were looking mm -hmm. for more traction. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. in the, all those years since, like, are you in a better place now? Uh, oh, yes, I am in a better place. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember the period, the period of uh, maybe the late 80s and the 90s, just trying to find my feet again, really, after being in the clean and doing other projects like Great and Wash, et cetera. Um, but, yeah, there's some tough years there financially. But I could see there was a way to do it because I could see other people were getting me, you know, people that I knew were managing to get by. And I thought, what's possible? Yeah. What I really wanted to do was get by and pay my bills and have somewhere to live and, and keep making music. And that, yeah, it happened. Too thick and thin. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things, like when I was researching you too, it's you were saying that when the clean was getting started and the whole like Dunedin scene, that, that whole that whole scene took place because of unemployment. Like there was an oil crisis at the time and all these bands got together because there weren't a lot of jobs. There's a little bit of that there. Uh, I mean, it was a, just such, it was just different times, really, really different times, I suppose. No internet, nothing like that, et cetera. Um, yeah, that has something to do with it. There were a lot of different things that sort of added to it. I think uh, it's always been a, a student town. It's a big university here. So and the city pretty much survives off the university in some ways. Because of that, there's always people coming in and going out from all over the place, even overseas students and that. So there's always had that kind of vibrancy here. And I think back then there wasn't a lot to do. I mean, there was the movies and TV. There were two TV channels, and they started at like, you know, 2 in the afternoon and then finished at like 10 at night. You know, stuff like that, very pretty basic stuff. So there wasn't a lot to do. So I think... Uh, Sure, being unemployed, having a lot to do, definitely helped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it was a huge. I mean, it's definitely a fact. I would say, you know, generally throughout the 80s, the, the, the doll finally the New Zealand music industry for quite a while, really. Yeah. Because you could get just about get away with being on the doll and be a musician. I mean, they found out about the clean eventually because we kind of got famous here, but... Uh, and tracked us down because <laughs> you we were doing and getting the doll so it, it definitely helped <laughs> and then you um started working with the label flying nun mm. um and that kind of grew obviously alongside the band um and you had worked with uh bigger labels later in your solo and band work uh was that helpful to work with a label and have someone kind of fund some of these projects while also holding you accountable financially? 
the interesting thing with uh, Flying Nun, which is the first label we dealt with, uh, was uh, they were learning about the same at the same learning level that we were at. So you know, or Roger, who started the label, he probably knew much about the business as we did, which was very little, very <laughs> little really. Uh, although Roger, you know, worked in a record store, he probably knew that side of things, how to get records around the country, etc., and how to sell them and profit margins, but. They were learning at the same time, so, you know, it wasn't until later I had to deal with some kind of larger labels. I mean, some of my friends were dealing with, you know, huge labels from Warner Brothers, etc. Uh, I never quite got to that level, although there was interest in labels, uh, and there was a little bit of dialogue with people, of all people, with uh, Rick Rubin's label, American Records, but that's another story. Uh, but, yeah, I never had to deal with huge labels. Um, certainly had to start dealing with uh, industry types, like serious music industry people. Um, I guess that's what you call them. And that was a learning curve, you know. And learning about the industry, that was a long time. It took me a long time to learn about publishing um, and, you know, what were songs and who owned them and what part of well, all that stuff, yeah. So I didn't really wise up for about 10 years, really, as far as all that goes. And so, like, how does that work? Um, because I know that you're, you've always been so collaborative, and the clean, it seems like all of your songs originate from jamming and ownership and jamming. Like, how do you guys work that out, and, and how does that differ from when you collaborate with somebody like Sam Hunt and things like that? I think with the clean in the early days, there was a bit of jamming. Um not nearly as much as in the later years, where because we'd always get together very short periods, generally not take anything in and try and come up with stuff on the spot. In the old days, we were trying everything. We were writing songs and bringing songs in, and more parts of songs and, and jamming and stuff. It wasn't we weren't really a jam band as such uh, then, although live we were. But as far as writing went, yeah, there was a bit going on. But definitely in the later years, we were doing a lot of that jamming. I'm sorry, what was the question again? Well, like, how do you share ownership when um, oh, like, yeah. the songs originate from jamming and things like that? Uh, we just oh, split it three ways. Yeah, that keeps Generally. the fights to a minimum, probably. <laughs> With the clean, we just always had that rule of we'd share everything, no matter who wrote what. Which yeah. you know, which worked out. It really did. Some people say you shouldn't be democratic like that because it, you know, it get, people get bitter and twisted about stuff down the line. Like, I wrote that song, why am I sharing it? But um, it's really worked out with the clean, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, collaborations with Sam Hunt. I mean, Sam, they're all his words. So, you know, we just split the songwriting, really. And I made the, mu I made the music, so that was pretty easy. Um, you know, generally just try to share things out. Unless it's plainly obvious you've written and produced something yourself, yeah. Sometimes I wonder if the financial part uh kind of inhibits the natural collaboration process now since you have to think about that so much kind of going into it because for a band to succeed these days mm -hmm. you kind of have to have some knowledge of publishing and where that mm -hmm. money well, the, goes yeah definitely you have to know so much more these days about everything i think to try and make money you're right if you're really dead serious about it sure you do have to think about all that stuff I mean, luckily we didn't really have to back then, I suppose. 
get too involved. But now you almost be your own manager and label in some ways, publicity person. Yeah, it's hard to make money in the industry uh, up into a certain point. And yeah. uh, even then it's still hard because you're having to split it with a whole team and uh, all the you know, middlemen. It's always so hard. It's just always been hard for musicians. Always been really hard. And uh, since time began, really. But, uh, you know, when it became free, you know, music, you can start streaming it for free. I mean, it just became incredibly hard. Just suddenly some people's income just disappeared, all of us. Half of them, you know, some people's income, well, whatever, disappeared as well. So uh, it's become really, really hard. I don't know how, how people do it, start out these days. I guess they've become internet savvy and I don't know, it's tough. Yeah, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about, like streaming, because streaming seems to be like a, a double-edged sword. Like obviously all the royalties go away, but your reach expands significantly. Like mm -hmm. you could reach people that may have never have, have had access to your music or they might stumble across it. Um, mm. And so you're reaching all these all these ears that might have never heard it. And so that, that must be a, a, a positive. Yeah, I think so. I think it's a really positive thing. I mean, you know, people have been recently pulling out of Spotify. Well, people like Neil Young and a few people have followed him. And yeah. No, quite a few of my friends moan about Spotify and they say I'll never go there. And I say, well, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are trying to get the music out there and are struggling. You know? And it's, like you say, it's a really good, healthy thing. Just, you know, so, again, it's a double-edged sword. But uh, I think generally it's a great thing. You just get your music out to so many people. You might be making less money. but. <laughs> mm -hmm. I know in Australia, and I'm not sure about New Zealand, but uh, the government seems to value artists and musicians uh, a little differently by uh, having a lot of available grants, and uh, mm. some countries have universal basic income for artists. Uh, do you have that there? Yes, we do. Yeah, we do. The, the, there's funding for artists and musicians which you apply for, the government. You know, millions of dollars every year, yeah. It's actually quite an important part of um, our culture here, really, is that government funding. It always has been, really. Mm. Whereas I notice in America, there's not a lot of that. No, we yeah, have, like, GoFundMe for uh, when people get sick. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's really good. Go, that, all those things are good. The pledge me, fund me things. I think they're all really healthy ways yeah. of survival. Mm. Sure, did I, well, I ask the, did I answer the question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> You're still waking up. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I guess, uh, I mean, I have to ask what you think about the direction of the music industry today. Um, I think it's, <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> Especially, <laughs> yeah, it's hard for anyone to make money, you know, like I was saying. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, what do I think about it? Uh, do you think the quality of art is uh, as good as it was when you started out? I think there's a hell of a lot more music out there. and it's a, a, There's a lot to get through to find the good stuff. That's the, my biggest hurdle. I'm always searching for new stuff to listen to, to be inspired by, and there's stuff out there. But it's snatches little bits here and there. There's no, there's no one artist or one thing's blowing me away all the time, but yeah, it's still great music. 
been made, but so much to plow through to get to it. Yeah, I mean, I'm a mad Spotify user. I just yeah, go totally down the wormhole every week. So, I mean, I love all that stuff. But yeah. Well, one of the things about Spotify that's weird um, is the fact that the business model seems to be you have to produce a lot of music all the time. And he, he, the, the CEO, Daniel Eck, I think is his name, was saying that, you know, if you want to make money on Spotify, you have to just keep producing. And that doesn't really lend itself for, like, great stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, because, like, yeah. I, an artist like you, you might go several years without releasing a record. Mm. His, his other argument also is the more people that sign up to Spotify, the better it will be for everybody else. The, the cut gets better. But, you know, that's his argument. Yeah, I don't I think know. Things will change. I think things will change. I think governments may start making laws that actually pinpoint some of those unfair things that are happening there. I mean, to make a million dollars on Spotify. More, a bit of cut. More <laughs> <laughs> yeah. money, really. More money, you know. Yeah, for sure. I'd know a dollar a song. <laughs> even, even a cent a song would do. Give me a cent for every time you listen to my song. Right. You can still go and buy You can still go and buy the hard copy and you don't have to keep laying out on that one cent. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you do, really. But, and what as, do you think? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think that, like, for sure, there needs to be a better cut for artists. You have to incentivize artists to be able to make money because I think uh, a, a society mm -hmm. that doesn't value art, and we're clearly not valuing mm -hmm. musicians, um, is just going to be a poorer society in general. That's, that's a very good point. Yeah, you're not valuing anything anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because even as a painter, like the size of the album artwork on Spotify is diminished. You know, it's like, we're not value. We're not even valuing like the cover design. Like you, there's mm -hmm. no option to like mm -hmm. click on it and make it bigger. It's really strange, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah I, I know. Like all that stuff, the details, like the credits, and it's hard to find that stuff for on Spotify if it's there at all. I like all that stuff about the cover. Yeah, yeah, same. Because like, you know, as a kid, like, um, I grew. We grew up in like the CD era. And we would have we we would have the booklet, and you would see like, oh, this person played a Gibson E three thirty five or whatever on this song, mm. and, and then you'd be like, yeah. I want to get one of those. And now with without that, you're you're kind of left um, without any knowledge. Everything is is anonymous, and so mm. all all this music becomes like um, it loses its originality because of that. I think. I saw a tweet recently that said that uh, someone's younger cousin or something had said that they don't have a favorite artist. They just have favorite songs um, and mm. they're not as much connected yeah. to artists and, uh, you know, exploring their whole collection of music or anything. Um, so that's yeah. kind of a strange trend, I think. Yeah, well, that's a good point because that's in some ways that's happened to me too, listen, you know, with Spotify. I'm listening to tracks. More than a whole, you know. Although if I do get stuck on something, you should check it out. But yeah, maybe that's why the vinyl's back. You know, I don't know. I mean, it seems like you know younger people are buying it, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
I've worked at a record store for a few years. Shows are still really big. I mean, people go out to gigs and stuff, right? I mean, that's always there. Yeah. Um, Thank goodness. (laughs) But when 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 (laughs) when the reissues for um, uh, Unknown Country and Mr. Pop came out, that was very big. for me, I rushed out and got those because I wanted to they see. Sold, yeah, they sold well. We were surprised. Well, they mm. sound awesome, and they're such awesome records. And it's like, um, it's strange that cool. it's strange that like um, the the experience of listening to them on Spotify and the experience of listening to them on on a record player is very different. You know, you you mm. have to engage yeah. more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. I hope yeah. we can get the younger generation into vinyl. Uh, it's definitely like the better way to experience it, but you can't listen to it in the car, so that's tough. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. I mean, maybe Spotify should have a, a function where, you know, after song five, it's like uh, you flip your phone over. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, there's something will come along that will probably just wipe out Spotify. I mean, you know what? I was thinking the other day about MySpace. Do you remember the thing called MySpace? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Tom. What happened to MySpace? <laughs> probably still, still going. Right? I think Somehow. Justin Timberlake bought it. Yeah, and then it just <laughs> he did. Yeah. And wow. I, I think he was going to try to turn it more into a music platform because there for a while the music part of a page mm. was very important you know it's your representation mm, yeah. of your personality at any given time someone visits your page you got a song playing and i think he was yeah. going to dive more into that but it just didn't didn't pick back up i guess <laughs> but yeah i well, think I mean, I streaming something could obliterate spotify you don't know i mean i'm sure it's not too far away where you could be able to like cut your own vinyl record at home or something like that yeah who knows Yeah, I think some people are working on a different sort of trade system where maybe um, advertisers are paying, I don't know, it's some kind of system where your attention as a user is like your money, and so the band or the artist Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. getting it more directly um, Mm -hmm. as opposed to everything being kind of behind a screen um yeah yeah so maybe just a more cooperative kind of setup at least yeah yeah well you mentioned that um the reissues like sold well and i know that uh captured tracks like put out that that awesome anthology a few years ago too did you feel that uh more people were listening to you that more people were discovering you when those things came out i mean did it work in that way, or or do you feel like oh, um, like what's your sense of it? Not too sure, really. Uh, it's been it's hard to gauge. Been hard to gauge in recent years, but I think the um, one thing that changed things for us in America was signing to merge, really, and and getting and also getting um, you know, way back getting anthology. Uh, released on CD. Wait, it was a long time ago. Yeah, and then, uh, then we started to tour a bit more, and touring with bands like you know Yola Tinko, uh, and we were getting across to different people doing that. And then we started doing our own tours more, and then we started to make a bit of money, and started to have our own little thing going. So it was a gradual thing, really. Where, but um, 
Yeah, the the Captured Tracks release of the box set, it, it sold well as well. We, it's a real shame. We really need to remaster that one day, and, and there's a few things we can do. You know, it's but really it's getting quite old. That that remastering job is getting quite old now. And we look back at it now, and I'm like, wow, you know, we that that uh, especially for the vinyl, it should have been a better job. We should have done a better job with it. I think we've learned a lot since then. Put it that way. And also now we can we've got our hands on the master, the original masters, you know, all that sort of technical stuff. So, but yeah, the anthology really got across to a lot of people, I think, in America especially. But then going back to the old days. When we signed to Rough Trade in America, and we you know, reformed and uh, made Vehicle, um, which is and awesome. that got released, that got released everywhere, like in Europe and America, and that turned a lot of people on to in America to the clean. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I wanted to ask is like when, so like uh, your relationship with Merge and all of the all these American artists that have been like boosters of yours over the years. Um, and that's like how I discovered you was like in an interview with Yola Tango. They were talking about you, and then I checked you out oh. in when I was in college. Um, like, have you felt a sense of of like the the audience growing over the years in America? I mean, definitely. Oh yeah. Well, like I was saying, we got to the point where we could tour America, and then we started covering covering our costs, and then it got to the point where we'd come home with money. Yeah, and. Um, but, you know, we're quite a lean machine, really. We generally only tour with this four of us. We just tour with uh, us three and a, and a sound guy. But we're a lean machine. Mm. It's tough to make but money on the, the road. The, the, definitely, the audiences have definitely grown. You know, doing sold-out shows and, you know, recently-sized clubs. Pretty cool. That is mm. cool. And uh, are there any after plans to... Um... After all these years, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, any for sure. Any plans to go back? Yeah, no any plans? plans to go back. No plans for it. I personally would like to go back next year, but we'll see. Yeah. See some friends and stuff. So one of the things I wanted to ask you, too, is like um, when you release a new record, um, like you released uh, Bobby's a Girl a few years ago, which is mm -hmm. an awesome album. Like, what do you hope for a new album, like when you release it? I hope that people like it. <laughs> and uh, but it makes me a little bit. Maybe it'll make me a little bit of money. <laughs> but yeah, I'm generally just glad to have got another. Sorry, the sun keeps moving around on me. Um, we've got a cat over there too. You can see the cat. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, what we're talking about? Um, like your hope for a new album when it comes out? Yeah, I'm just usually really pleased that I managed to, to put one out again. Was you? It's usually. A trial, yeah. I mean, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty simple these days. I mean, sure, there was a time where I was really used to hope that you know I could sell maybe thirty thousand records, so every time I put a record out, all around the world, you know, mm -hmm. I thought I could living off that, you know. I never quite got there, but um, it really in the last I don't know, 10, 15 years, it really is just about the music, really. I've been lucky enough to have people, you know, like Merge that still want to put the stuff out. So that's encouraging. But uh, it really is just about the music, really. Oh. And uh, it's a it's a pleasure to, it's such a pleasure to make it and then, you know, put it out. Yeah, pretty simple. So, like, creating it, you say, is a trial, but that's so interesting because when I listen to it, 
it feels very open and free and it feels like um it's almost like it sounds as if it emerged like from out of nowhere and and i know that that's probably not true but the feeling that i that i get from listening to your music is like this is some of the most open free music i've ever heard right that's interesting. It's nice to hear that. Uh, I think the last few records have definitely been made like that. You know, those early solo LPs were, you know, written and, you know, recorded, basically. These last, say, three, is it three or four, the last three albums, we've pretty much been trying to come up with as much stuff on the spot in the studio. Maybe, maybe we'd go in for like two days, might take in a song or half a song, maybe a chord progression. And then we try to come up with stuff for two days with that. So uh, really trying to wing it as much as possible. Trying to get stuff recorded before we know what we're doing, really. That kind of idea, like record it before everyone exactly knows what's going on. Capture <laughs> it while it's a little bit sort of, you know, uh, yeah, malleable. So, yeah. To figure out how to sell it, do you kind of have to go back and look at the art again and figure out what it meant in order to explain it to people and give people context not really no that's somebody else's job (laughs) (laughs) i feel like there's a lot of marketing mindsets that artists have to enter into today even when they're in the studio unfortunately so they're having to kind of think about okay what interesting narrative can i come up with around this Sure. album so people will sure. be able to understand it and care um but it's nice to hear that you don't necessarily have to yeah. do that well i understand what you're saying um yeah i mean i was thinking about flippant there really i was just thinking last album you know before it came out i did realize i could say one or two things about it and that you know the media would grab one or two of those things and sure enough it happened you know but um yeah you just gotta feed a little thing out Especially to the media, next minute it'll be a little headline, or the music, you know, we see it'll be, you know, so. Rather, you know, I do think about those things sometimes with a record. Like, well, they're going to ask me, okay, what's going on with this record, David? So, you know, you start, you do start to think about that stuff. Or say, okay, well, this one, you know, is blah, blah, blah. Next minute, you know, it's blah, blah. David Coolgate goes, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, media, media just loves a lot one liner or a tag, you know. Or a good headline, you know. So sometimes I think about it. Well, it seems like your process has come back to what you were kind of doing in the very beginning. And this this might be totally wrong, but like in the beginning, it seems like um the clean was this like uh improvisational primitive band, and you got more and more into like refining songwriting over the years like when i listen to frozen orange it's very different than bobby's a girl because like all the songs on frozen orange are very put together there's like stately arrangements on everything and bobby's a girl is like more um loose and open and it's very relaxing to listen to as because like your mind just floats Mm. yeah definitely just trying to capture moments between people in the studio. That's what we have been trying to do. I got very tired of writing songs. You know, there's the verse, there's the chorus, those sort of songs, but just songs in general. 
oh, really? Do I have to write a song today? I've written so many songs. How many songs do I have to write? <laughs> but I mean, there's that, that dilemma going on all the time, you know. You know, should I write any more songs? Do I need to write these songs? Why am I doing this? You know, what is music? All that stuff. You know? So it was to get away from all that. Like, come on, let's just get together and try and make some music. So, well, very hit and miss. There was times where we would, you know, have one three-minute song after two days' work, and that might get thrown out anyway. So a wee bit hit and miss. But then other sessions, one session with Bobby's a Girl, uh, maybe a third, almost, maybe a third of the album was cut in, like, one night. And the whole vibe of the album was because of that one night, really, so... Wow. Neat things do happen like that. Neat things happen. Well, how do you... It's, it's good to hear that you pick up on that looseness because, yeah, it's loose. It's definitely loose. No, and it's, it's we beautiful. Would have, we would have a party. I mean, we'd have a little party. Recording was a little party, really. But, but in a way, it's like these songs just emerge out of the air. I wonder, like... Um, your the editing process for them like do you go back and 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 add overdubs or do you go back and like refine them or sh or or like um or are they just like organic uh performances that that occur generally pretty organic i mean because it's so uh you know in the moment sure there are moments we have to fix up a wee bit but we're trying to get that feel of uh everyone playing in a room together that kind of magic. And if there's going to be an overdub, it better be a really good overdub, you know, that kind of thing. Um, been trying to get the vocals done live too, but it's been a bit harder for me. But, you know, there's quite a few live vocals these days as well. So a lot of Bobby is just live. A um, few overdubs here and there. But, mm. but yeah, we've been trying to get that band live feeling, you know, you know sound. Was uh, being a professional musician your goal, or was it just something that kind of happened? It was kind of because of punk rock. It really um, it made us realize we could possibly make music and have a go at it. But, you know, it was definitely I wanted to make music. I wanted to you know, have a life living off music and art, sure. I didn't know what to do, but, you know, when I was at high school and I thought, well, I'll just try and be an artist, I suppose. And then punk rock came along, but okay, well, I'll try music. Mm. So yeah, it's been a lifelong ambition. <laughs> Did you ever have another job? Yes, I've had a few jobs, yeah. Well, were uh, they? Window cleaner. Oh, uh, window cleaner. <laughs> that was my last real job, I suppose. But it wasn't just window cleaning. It was like, you know, toilets, houses. Mm. Was the clean your, like, uh, personal cleaning company brand <laughs> <laughs> you think so wouldn't you You'd think so. maybe in another life <laughs> I was actually in the clean when I had that job <laughs> wow that's genius <laughs> I really need to get close to the subject <laughs> yeah I think it's uh, it's hard sometimes starting out because it's hard to be patient um because you just want you want that hit you want that success yeah. you want to get out on mm. the road and live the lifestyle that mm. you think musicians mm. get to have and uh i think it's a good reminder that it's a lot of work and it's a it's a journey not a destination mm. and it's fun all that stuff you know get, going touring for the first time jumping in a van all that stuff it's great fun getting out of home getting out of your hometown yeah it's an adventure 
Do you want to abandon see the world? <laughs> when you were starting out, I read that like the clean would practice like three days a week and you would be very obsessive about it. Um, can you tell when a band is like over rehearsed and do you think it like hurts the quality of the music? Um, yeah, sure. In a live situation, you know, well, I can have you have that opinion about a band. I might be wrong though, but yeah, <laughs> sure. I don't like super slip polish stuff. Then other times I do. It depends, really. Yeah. You like Not, some um, very polished things? Anybody in particular? Sure. Well, not really. Just you know, a tight band mm. with something good about it. But other times it can be boring, really. I think we. Uh, <laughs> obviously have a place in our hearts for i don't know almost a proto slacker rock that kind of just out the gate doesn't sound too produced or anything uh sloppy yeah feels honest i kind of i like sloppy loose stuff i do yeah i like to see a band some loose edges and the swinging of burden you know, there's an edge. You know, maybe it's called an edge. Yeah, for sure. It's pretty, it's pretty souls just seeing a band and they just hit it every time. And they've got the patter down between the songs. It's just bam, bam, bam. The light show's great. And ching, 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 ching. Sure. I mean, that can be fun, but every night, no. <laughs> but there's something to be said about the, um, the connection between sloppy rock and the idea that these people can't have jobs either you know what i mean like if you're if you're if you're gonna play like slack or rock um you're probably not gonna be great in the office <laughs> yeah yeah not a big career option <laughs> <laughs> no well you probably don't iron your shirts or you know like you probably don't remember to pack lunch or anything like that yeah. <laughs> maybe you do though you were early for this that's true. Meeting. It seems like it seems like everyone just realizes now you have to have a job if you're going to be a musician. Like this. <laughs> yeah. part time job, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, because when we were talking to Steve Albini, he was like, "Get a fucking job, you know. Don't yeah. don't rely on music to make money." And I mean, yeah. when, when you were growing up and buying records and like seeing like Jimi Hendrix and like this this rock star, um, it was very new. Like the uh, having a, a life in music was 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 a new idea and now you know like 50 years later um a life in music seems mm. impossible for a lot of people mm. yes it's just different different times completely utterly different times for musicians and art yeah sure i mean it was even a, it, it seemed like a, it was a novelty to me you know back in the 70s to think you know, you could become an artist, let alone a musician. I realised it was hard and quite difficult, but, you know, a real novelty. Not so much these days. Do you think it says a lot for the power of music in people's lives that they would continue to make it, even though it's really difficult to find a way to support yourself? Yeah, yeah. It's like medicine for people, really. Self-medicating with music in some ways. But I think, you know, for some people, it's also a cry of love, a cry for love. You know, okay, I've got something to say. Come on over, you know, whatever. Pretty basic human stuff, but yeah, important, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's this Nick Cave quote where he says, um, 
Like musicians are like the laziest bastards ever because all they have to do is write 12 songs every four years. But like in a way, like Nick Cave stopped writing songs too. Like if his new album is just like him talking over keyboards. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, what do you feel about that? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Horses for courses, I guess. But um, yeah. Are we lazy? I think uh, we need, <laughs> well, I need time to daydream. You know, it's, it's the spaces between, it's those spaces between when you're working, where the work's writing or, you know, trying to come up with stuff. It's those spaces which are really important. So maybe that's what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, in American culture, yeah. I especially, it's very, um, downtime is kind of frowned upon. Um, it's very, mm. like, hustle culture. Uh, any hobby you have, you need to figure out how to monetize. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel so connected to what you said about the importance of the in-between because that's when creativity happens yeah. that's when you're mm, able to open exactly. your heart and mind yeah like there's this mm. horrible Dolly parton commercial where she re revised her nine to five song to nine to nine <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like americans are supposed to work nine a.m to nine p.m yeah. It's that whole thing. What'd you do? What are you doing? What's going on? What's going down? Let's come on. Well, I've been doing too much recently. You know? <laughs> yeah, we don't stop all the time. Yeah, maybe and, we need a better John, there's word. A, there's a good, there's a good quote from John Lennon that's um, "Wasting time's not wasting time." <laughs> and I agree with that for sure. Mm. There's like this idea that um, the phone and social media, all these things, are killing daydreaming. And I completely agree mm. with you that to be an artist, you have to like stare out the window and just kind of mm. um, go into a trance. I mean, th th this is like a trance killer, this thing. Mm. Your screens really are a creativity killer. I, there's a, I heard an interview with some sorry, a psychologist, I think, some big study recently, and they did ask this person, you know, does it um, suck creativity? And just absolutely, definitely, 100%, yeah. So after hearing that, I've really cut back on screen time. <laughs> Not a big phone guy, but yeah, screens. They're really hard to get away from these days. Really hard. Um, yeah, less daydreaming, absolutely. Less time just to think about stuff. Yeah. And and in a lot of ways, like your whole musical output is is this idea of like trying to get the listener into a trance. So that's what it seems to me, where you're you're trying to create an environment where like a, a person can think and music that um, it's like th your idea about self-medicating in music like that is that is definitely true in your own songs as well like just creating these like spacey uh, chord progressions that just go over and over and over again and kind of wash over you I'm just trying I'm just trying to give people a feeling you know feel something authentic perhaps yeah but um, yeah, it's it's it is mellow. There's a there's a drone through everything. It's always a drone there. <laughs> How do you get that drone? Is it just like chord tunings or like? Um... Yeah, there's been, been a lot of open tunings the last few records, but there's always been open tunings there for sure. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I like I like I love drones. I love droning. Me too. <laughs> That's why we started this podcast to drone on. Are you both musicians? <laughs> you both play? Yeah, I play, and um, 
I'm I do like graphic design and management, and run, I've run a label for a few years, and oh, cool. uh, I work at a record store. Just involved. I like music. I'm just not so, good at making it. Oh, the what's record the store so is Vinyl Tap. It's half record store, okay. half bar. <laughs> cool. Nice idea. Yeah. yeah. Come by sometime. <laughs> yeah, I'll, be, I'll be back. Maybe next year. I've got a very dear friend there, Matt Swanson, uh, the bass player and Lamb Child. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's I'll be awesome. Back. Yeah. Are you, would, you, would you ever record here again? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. I'd like to record. I'd like to record with uh, Mark Nevers again, but he, I think, he's moved to Florida. Oh. Yeah, I'll be back one day. Sorry, go on. Oh well, I just wondered if you thought. So it seemed like the first music that you put out is pretty. Uh, I don't know. Lo-fi. Inexpensive, yeah, lo-fi, and uh, more focused on the vibe and the songs, um, not so mm. much production and things like that uh i wondered if you feel like that's a good place for bands to start um, i think you know again you know it's up to the individual but uh you know that the first release we had tally ho that was um, a bad experience and it sounds pretty bad even <laughs> we, we mastered that and it still sounds pretty bad so that was a bad that was a learning curve for us to go into a studio you know that was the first time we'd gone into a studio although we've been recording ourselves on a V2 track. We weren't going out of our way to sound trashy. Again, we just wanted to sound authentic, authentic really. And then, you know, later on, we, we did Boodle, and it sounds great, and we were recording on a four track. We were still trying to do it as best as we possibly could. We weren't actually chasing a garage aesthetic, although we understood that whole thing and the whole, you know, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we, we were trying. With, with limited budgets and, uh, you know, limited gear. But, you know, we worked out that the Beatles recorded um, Sergeant Pepper using four tracks, not realising they probably had a few four tracks and they had, like, you know, guys in lab coats walking around <laughs> with screwdrivers. Um, and we thought, well, if, you know, that Beatles stuff sounds fantastic. Well, why can't we do that with uh, four tracks? I mean, that was one of my, you know, one of the ideas anyway. I read this great quote from you where you said that an artist should always be becoming. Um, Yeah. Do you feel like with everything that you put out, do you feel like you're different? Every time that I put something out? Yeah. Because if Uh, you're becoming, then you're always I think when I'm making stuff, I think when I'm making stuff, we're recording it and you're getting good stuff down. There's a feeling of that. Okay, yeah, we're, we're moving along now, you know. Because there's always those periods of just nothingness and nothingness for a while, perhaps. Finally, something will happen. It's like, you know, stepping on, moving on. You know. I'm just going to, yeah, continually trying to come up with something next, if that makes sense. How do you deal with the I'm nothingness? Lucky to, I'm lucky enough to have the spare time to think about stuff and just to, to potter around and, um, you know, do that stuff, I suppose. Like what is like what does all that nothingness look like? Uh which which nothingness are you talking about? When 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 the songs aren't coming or like you don't have any ideas, like how do you deal with that? Uh you right. know, recently went through a period of two years of kind of nothing, but you know, I like I I try uh, being because of COVID. 
COVID, I've been at home. So, you know, they're trying to write every day or do something every day, artist, you know, art or music. And nothing really, nothing for like too interesting. It was an interesting period. It kind of bugs me, but you can't fight it. And you can play with it. You can go, okay, I'll ignore it. Maybe it'll come knocking. Or maybe I should be working on it. Maybe I should be doing both. Or maybe I should go for a drive. Or maybe I should just leave town for a year. <laughs> maybe I should grow a beard. <laughs> maybe I should get really fat. Or maybe I should get really healthy. I don't know, you know. Anything to write a song, really. <laughs> But it's a real drag. I mean, it's just, uh, I guess I'm so used to doing it, it becomes a drag when it's not, when, it's, uh, when I don't like the stuff I'm writing, yeah. I'm always writing stuff, but I just don't like it half the time. <laughs> you know, we, 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 we all like to think that next record's going to sound a bit different, you know, or, you know, every record sounds a wee bit different, but, you know, you, you find out about 10 years later, really. When you listen back to stuff, you go, okay, well, you know, yeah, I'm all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's a strange life. It's a really strange life, really. You know, when everything comes out, you, you know, your whole well, everyone, you know, everyone's living comes out of their heads. But you know, they come up stuff all the time. It's like, really, do I have to come up with something again? <laughs> oh well, I suppose it should. Have you experimented with other forms of expression than music? Well, you paint, right? Oh, I paint a bit. Yeah. Um. No, no, just painting. I paint a wee bit. Mm. That's a nice thing. Well, it's good to be in the mood, though, you know? Mm. Yeah. What about lyrics? I mean, on Bobby's a Girl, there's a lot of tracks that don't have lyrics. So I was wondering, like, yeah. are, are you... I've often, I've often toyed with the idea of making an instrumental-only album, like The Clean have talked about it. and That would be awesome. About it. I think this is the closest we got to it with this one. Mm. Bobby's a Girl. It's quite a lot. There's always instrumental stuff there. Just yeah. the one instrumental record, I suppose. Yeah. I do love instrumental music. Mm. It's really it's in nice right to have, now, too. Uh, is it really? Mm-hmm. It's nice to have a break from blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I mean, yeah. Maybe, maybe instrumental music is still because of that. Maybe we're just because we're just not inundated with information all the time, right? Yeah. Or less blah, blah, more <laughs> music. Yeah, more, I'm trying uh, to groove. I'm just trying to <laughs> chill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would love to hear a, an instrumental album from The Clean. That would be amazing. You should mm. do it. Mm. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> so, I mean, as far as lyrics go, like working with um, Sam Hunt, did that up your game? Did you feel like, um, did you feel like you learned anything about writing lyrics from that guy? Um, because the lyrics on those. Lost yeah, the lyrics mm. on those records are beautiful. I think. Mm. I learned a lot from Sam. He's a he's a big topic. He's like a mountain. <laughs> um, what did I learn lyric wise from Sam? Uh, I think uh, the recent years of stuff's been quite um, kind of brief in some ways. Um, I don't know. I think <clears throat> Sam's another topic all on his own, really. I think just being with Sam and getting to know him was uh, super influential, really, in some ways, yeah. But, yeah, that's a good question. But a great working with him. I think when he finally came down to record here in Dunedin, you know, again, we did everything live with him. Uh, we definitely had to uh, up our game. Mm. 
because uh, everything was on the spot. We made up pretty much everything on the spot. And uh, he's a really hard worker. It was just bang, bang, bang. What do you want to do, Sent? Now, what do you want to do? Go, go, go. So it was like really intense working with him. Really great. So, um, yeah, I learned lots from Sam, but yeah, it's a big topic. <laughs> he's just a really wonderful guy. He really is. I think an incredible knowledge of, you know, poetry and literature. Mm. Amazing. Are you a big reader? Anyway, go on. Are you a big reader yourself? Not really. I mean, uh, I read a lot of uh, books about music, but no, I'm not a big reader. Not really, not these days. I used to it when I was a kid. Yeah. Do you have any favorite books about music? I would love to get some recommendations. Oh, you know, one of my favorite books, just because it's so interesting. And it's a great topic. And so... Well, Rotten was Andrew Luke Oldham's books on the Rolling Stones. I think there's three. I think what the last one was, was looking here, the last one might have been an online one, but those first two books on the Stones are absolutely amazing. It's just an incredible writer. Where do you put you there? Mm. Um, so many books. I'm just looking at a pile over here at the moment. <laughs> I'm guessing you've um, read David Burns' book. How music works. No, I haven't. Oh, no. I would highly recommend I, that. I, it's in our library, actually. I keep seeing it there. It's one of those ones I will get one day. So, you like that? I did. I liked it a lot. A lot of different um, uh, perspectives uh, on what music is and why we are drawn to it and why it is the way it is now. And it's great. Yeah. What is he, where's it going to go? But does he have any idea? Does he have any idea on the future? Um,. <laughs> He more kind of helps guide your mind through helping you uh, contextualize music and how it's uh, received and how it changes in response to its audience. Um, So it kind of just gets you in that mindset so you can kind of play with your mind. Oh, sounds great. Yeah. Cool. I'll I'll check it out. Um, Yeah. I can't think of any other books here right now, but um, yeah, I've just read so many. <laughs> so one of the like the hallmarks of your life in music, it seems, is collaboration. Whether it's the Clean or, um, you know, with your band now or with Sam Hunt, like all these, all these different eras, or with Lamb Chop on Frozen Orange, um, like how do you become a good collaborator? Did, is that something that you had to learn, or is that something that is innate? Um, I think for me it was you, I've got to feel something with the people. You know, there's got to be a connection of something. There's got to be friends or there's some kind of connection. I think that's the main thing, really. Uh, oh, the other thing is uh, actually having the, the guts to wear your heart on your sleeve with someone you might not know super well, or you know, and just show them stuff, and vice versa. That's tough for people. Some people, I've got to be. Bit, you know, obviously pretty good at doing that. But, uh, you know, some people do have trouble with that, sharing, their, you know, really raw, basic ideas with each other. Um, if you can get over that, you're well on the way to doing something. So that's a tough one. Uh, do you have anybody in your circle that says, like, that's the worst idea ever or that song is terrible? Uh, clean, definitely. We're pretty <laughs> honest with each other. Uh, <laughs> If something's really bugging somebody in the band or the, or the engineers I work with, it'll be subtly said, I'll be told somehow <laughs> in a very, really nice way. 
<laughs> or, you know, sometimes sometimes a lot of people are aware of perseverance. We persevere with an idea you think is bad. Sometimes you just got to let people go with that, and they, it can be quite surprising. That was bad. Those, that idea you had this morning suddenly sounded really great tonight. You know, that sort of stuff. So you've got to be open to anything, really. You have such a good vibe. It's been so like easy to talk with you so i can imagine collaborating with you is really fun um right i'm i'm sure we only have like a couple more questions for you but i'm very curious uh just judging by our conversation in your body of work it seems like uh, you view your career in music as just kind of a a journey a a constant sort of uh, happening and I wondered what advice you would have or words of encouragement for people maybe in the middle of their creative pursuits it's the, the same old cliches if you really really <laughs> care about it do it keep doing it if you really love it but you know at the same time you've got to be you got to be reasonably sensible <laughs> that's hard to do yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, if you do something, yeah, I mean, you just got to do it. You just have to do it. If you have to do it, you got to do it, really. How do you describe the feeling of um, when you've finished a song? Like, what does that feel like? Um, it's relief. <laughs> do you like, know oh you're God, done? I can still do it. I can still do it. <laughs> How's that? Have you had one of those recently? Like, it's kind of like, it's in some ways, it's like sustenance, you know? Hmm. It's like energy to get that back. Mm. Mm. It's just a relief, really. Shut <laughs> up. I like this. Mm. Well, I mean, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been super fun. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe I'll be in Nashville next year and uh, if I'm around in this year, hopefully we'll see each other or something. Yeah, that would be fantastic. We would love that. Yeah, we're around. Uh, we're having Kurt and Mary on the podcast soon, so maybe uh, we can know, all hang. Do you know them? Yeah. Do you know? Them? Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. Any questions you would well, ask them? Um, do they still love me? <laughs> <laughs> we'll ask for sure. Yeah, Mary is like my <laughs> idol. <laughs> oh, lovely! Yeah, the, the darling, the darling people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There, his new album is, is fantastic. I don't know if you've heard it yet, but man. Oh, yeah, I love, I've, been, yeah, I've been enjoying what he's been doing. It's been great. Yeah, it's, it's so really good. Funny. It's funky yeah. and weird. and It's it's, it's going it's, out there. Yeah, it's out there. <laughs> this one might seem about getting older, you know, and no one really cares anymore. You just go as far out as you want now, really. Yeah, just that's true. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Well, thank you for taking All the right. time. Thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Bye. See you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Devalue. For more information about our podcast, please visit devalue.show.